What's up, guys, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. For our first question, Ali Siki asks what bringing balance to the force actually means. So I'm going to put a link in the description to a video that is from George Lucas talking about the force and kind of explaining it to, I think it's the Clone Wars writer room. Uh, but that's one of my favorite videos just about the force, especially because it comes straight from George Lucas's mouth. Yeah, he brings up the idea that Basically, the good guys are selfless, the bad guys are selfish, and that's just not sustainable. So the Sith are always wanting more, chasing the same stuff forever. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. The, the light side is selfless, selfless, the dark side is selfish, and true joy is found from the selfless side. And... Uh, all your pain and suffering more comes from uh, being greedy and keeping things from yourself and being afraid that someone's going to take it from you. And uh, I, I think a lot of people should watch that video because uh, it's more, it's not about how like the force, you know, mentally works, but just thematically what it all means. And as for the balance part, like George basically is saying that you should strive to be of the light side he does say strike a balance between the two, but I think really what he means is like, you know, don't be so selfless that you aren't taking care of yourself at all, mm -hmm. but ultimately you're going to be happier if you're helping other people rather than uh, hoarding things for yourself. Yeah, and he brings up Anakin falling in love, which is, you know, kind of a against the Jedi rules, but We'll, we'll let it slide. But then they get married and he has the visions and becomes obsessed with the idea of keeping her alive. And so that's what leads him down to the dark side. Yeah. And that George even says, like, Anakin falls in love, which is a good thing. You're allowed to love people, but you can't possess them. And I guess maybe that's also where that balance comes into play is that, like, love is an emotion of the light side. But I guess if you're loving too much, if you're obsessing and, yeah, possessing, then that's gone too far. So I guess there are ways that the light side can become eventually a bad thing. Yeah, and, like, the dark side is easier but harder in the long run to sustain, but it's easier to get there. The idea of balance being completely about the light side is interesting and makes sense because even the Jedi are constantly having to battle with balance issues. I mean, look at Luke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll talk about that more later. Michael Sweat wants to know how we want the Cassian show to be structured with a mission of the week or one long overarching mission for the season. I kind of think it's going to be one long mission especially if it's only like eight episodes like The Mandalorian was. But I like the idea of it having, uh, I'm trying to think of like Burn Notice was a secret agent show from a while back. But what a it, weird reference. Well, look, <laughs> every episode it was like there there is a mission of the week, but also it kind of built towards the overarching season. Right. I mean, not, tons of shows yep. are structured. I was going to say Buffy does that too. Tons of shows are structured like that. And I wouldn't say Mandalorian is like, it's it's a little bit of both. And I think the Cassian show is probably going to be the same because I don't 
see it as just being one season and then the end. Yeah, it it's obviously impossible to say right now, but yeah. it, it's something that I think that they can get multiple seasons out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I would prefer kind of a, a that episodic mission of the week feel. Yeah, I don't know why, but do, that's my gut. Do we know what like when time period wise when the casting show is set? They've said vaguely like in the early days of the rebellion. Hmm. So uh, that could be almost anywhere. There, There is some sort of timeline set up that K2SO was only supposed to have been around for like a year before Rogue One. But that was said in like one comic that honestly wasn't very good. <laughs> I didn't really like it. So I'm like, I'm okay if they just kind of push that to the side and retcon it. Yeah, yeah. Because like I like the idea of seeing Cassian kind of move up in the ranks becoming a better intel spy yeah like he can be promoted to captain like at the end of the series yeah i mean i think there's so much to mine there with he talks about like oh we've all done terrible things in the name of the rebellion and also i want to see his relationship with k2 develop Mm -hmm. i would love it if it started with him meeting k2 and like we got a new version of that story and then they got to be friends over the series i think that would be great yeah i feel like those two would probably butt heads at first, but then become bros. That continue to butt heads. <laughs> yeah. Caleb A. Diaz asks if the rise of Kylo Ren comic means anyone can be as connected to the Force as anyone else, regardless of midichlorian count. Yep. That's what Luke says. <laughs> I love that comic uh, for that exact reason. Luke doesn't bring up midichlorians, so... No. There is that, but I mean, that's just so much in line with how I feel about the Force. And I don't think that Metachlorians, like, negates that idea either. It's just a measure of, um, I guess, inherent potential. Yeah, he explains it as, like, a door or a doorway, and, like, people can be more open to the Force than others. And it's not necessarily like, oh... This person is just more powerful, period. Yes. So for Kylo Ren's situation, I would say that, uh, and this is something that Luke says, like some people's doors just are more open to begin with. Like they are more receptive to the force when they're born. uh, And some people are more closed. But that doesn't mean you can't learn to open your door further or even more open than Kylo Ren's ever was. Basically, Luke is saying that everyone has the same potential, uh, but some people are born just naturally better at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the for- take The Force Awakens, for example. That's a story about Rey's door opening. Yeah. And then it just blows it Blows open. right off the hinges. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I've thought about this before, is uh, I ran cross-country in high school, And before my freshman year, like all summer, I trained and trained and ran my butt off and like I wanted to do well. And then the day of tryouts, uh, I had a friend go like, oh, I'll try out with you. Had never like run a day before in his life. And he blew me out of the water. (laughs) Like he he was just naturally good Mm -hmm. and he was better than I was. And that was really disheartening. But like that doesn't mean that I couldn't. then surpass him i never did but like if i (laughs) 
if I had you were like, really, well, I'm never doing this again. Yeah, I quit running forever. <laughs> no, I stuck with it for all four years. And uh, it, it's just one of those things where, you, like, yeah, some people are gifted in this way. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's uh, impossible to catch up. Yeah, and I feel like this is preferable to me, at least. Some may not agree. And, like, just I don't like the idea that there are just some Jedi that are uber powerful and some that aren't. I mean, that is the case, but it's, you know, it's the idea of, like, there is still potential to get to... Yeah. A level like that i mean like talking about uh jedi with or force users with like their doors off their hinges like star killer would be an example he was a toddler <laughs> that faced down darth vader yeah. Uh, so yeah there are examples on either side but yeah the point being is that just because kylo ren was born gifted it doesn't mean that he is the end-all be-all and that no one else can ever live up to him Mauricio, Fontes, Alexander, and Nicholas both want to know what the Jedi should have done if they weren't supposed to get involved with the Clone Wars. My first thought was, get the heck out of there. <laughs> Just go to another planet. So, yeah, I, I mention a lot that, like, the Jedi becoming generals was uh, going against what they stood for. They shouldn't have done it. Uh, and I've said that it's a sign that they had lost their way. I think that maybe a better way to say that is that the Republic as a whole had lost their way. I don't think it was completely the Jedi's fault. Uh, I also think that it's just the brilliance of Palpatine's, Palpatine's plan is that he put them in a no-win situation where it's like, okay, you can either sit back and be the Jedi Order and be peacekeepers uh, and not join this war while the Republic you're supposed to defend is crashing down around you. Mm -hmm. Or you can lead this surprise clone army we have and betray every principle you've ever known. Like, either way, they lose. Yeah. And I think that's the point. What were they supposed to do instead? Uh, I, I don't think that, like, I think that was just an impossible to win thing. Like, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Yeah, and like you said, that's the genius of Palpatine's plan. And I don't know. I mean, that's really the only thing I can think of for them to do is just to leave and abandon the Republic. But at that point, they were already kind of so settled into politics almost right. that they couldn't have just said no. Yeah. <laughs> but then they got, you know, really, really involved. And it's reminding me of that episode with the the village of... The the one that's like the Mandalorian episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the village of the monkey people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they're well, called. Well, there's that one and there's uh, the one on Felucia. I forget what the... the oh, Lemurians? They're, they're named oh, after, like, lemurs. Yeah, they look like lemurs, and they're like, we don't want the Jedi here. They Nothing but chaos and, and trouble follows them. Yeah, like, I guess what they should have done, uh, and, I, and this is a problem that it wasn't their first instinct, but they really should have leaned more heavily on diplomacy. Like, Padme feels like the only person, Padme and Bale and Mon Mothma, who are like, hey, maybe we can talk this out. And uh, they just don't. <laughs> the yeah. Jedi are kind of 
we see them in the comics and stuff. They're almost eager to mm-hmm. get into the war, and it's like an excuse to blow off steam and be like, "I'm I'm being violent because I have to be, not because I'm angry." But like, they're they're kind of Mace goes from episode two, like <laughs> we can't find fight a war for you, to episode three, like Palpatine's too dangerous to be kept alive, and we're gonna kill him without a trial. Like, it, it's I guess just showing how violence affects people and even the most noble uh, members of the Republic fall. Yeah. Going back to the idea of balance, the Jedi are constantly struggling with balance. Especially Especially at that point in time. Yeah, especially during the Clone Wars. James Beacon asks, what we think of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic selling out and getting multiple printings? I guess that's just proof that people like Kylo Ren. Yeah. (laughs) And Charles Soule is doing a great job. Really, that's what speaks to me, is Charles Soule is the king of Star Wars comics right now. I am I mean, I also am thinking, like, we know after The Rise of Skywalker that Kylo Ren dies, so people are clamoring for any Kylo slash Ben Solo content. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people say, like, I have no more interest in this comic because he died. And, like, I mean, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but clearly there's plenty of people who still do. Yeah. I've been really into it, and I was disappointed that he died. Yeah, people are like, it's too late for for me to be interested in this story, but it's really good. (laughs) It's really good. I mean, that's the the whole thing we just talked about with the doors and the force. Like, that was Charles Soule. I think the guy just gets... Star Wars, or I could say that his vision of Star Wars lines up very well with mine. Uh, and his Lando comic, the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic, especially his Darth Vader comic, uh, and now he's doing the main Star Wars run, and this Kylo Ren comic, and he's going to be in Project Luminous. Like, just keep it coming, man. <laughs> doing great. That's it for patron questions. If you're a patron and you didn't see your question answered here, just head over to Patreon where we left you a written response. If you're not a patron, you can learn more by following the link in the description. Just a dollar a month will get you access to extra Star Wars Explained content like audio commentaries for the films, and we're doing audio commentaries for Clone Wars episodes. And since the Clone Wars came back this week, we're going to start doing commentaries for those new episodes. We're going to take a break from our chronological go-through, and we're just going to jump to the end. Yeah. (laughs) And for the next 12 weeks, we will do the new episodes. Uh, So those are all available now. Well, as they come out, they will be for the next 12 weeks. Uh, Also, this is uh, the last week we're going to just mention and plug the Schmodown, which is in one week. If you're in the Atlanta area, I will be competing in my first Inner Geekdom match, which is more than just Star Wars. It's like all the nerdy stuff. Star Uh, Trek, Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter. We wa- we had to watch Daredevil last night. <laughs> we didn't have to, but we did. <laughs> and they better ask me a question about Daredevil or else I watched that movie for nothing. Oof. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to come see me compete in uh, just nerd trivia in general, that'll be in Atlanta next week, and I'll put a link to tickets in the description. On to YouTube questions. The Burger Hut 7 asks, what non-clone officers like Yularen did when Order 66 happened? They probably freaked out. <laughs> I bet and... they were confused. <laughs> um, but I also think that they just went with it. Uh, like, Yularen is still with the Empire and by the time of A New Hope. Uh, as far, like, 19 years later, he's still going strong. So I don't really think that he 
had much against it. He probably just went along with like, oh yeah, the Jedi were betraying the Republic, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like for survival's sake, they just have to kind of go with whoever's in charge. And after that, Palpatine's pretty much in charge. It's kind of a tough pill to swallow because Yularen seems like a great dude and you want to believe that he would stand up for the Jedi, but I don't think he did. And I think like we talked about Palpatine putting the Jedi in this situation, it's like, yeah, they were supposed to be peacekeepers. And mm-hmm. a lot of people pointed that out, that it's like, you're not being very peaceful right now. <laughs> so and Plus, I mean, they were all wiped out so quickly. It's like, what's there to do? Yeah. <laughs> it'd be tough to stand up and say like this is wrong because then you might just get shot but yeah honestly i think that you lauren was probably like what happened oh the jedi betrayed the republic well all right yeah i mean it's it's like when any government gets overthrown you just kind of have to go go with it like what, what's happening <laughs> but like maybe at the same time have like a secret meeting plan I mean, yeah, yeah, that's basically what Mon Mothma and Bail Organa did. Yeah, you gotta you gotta plan your rebellion secretly and slowly gain an audience. Maybe a future story will be like, you, Lauren, was part of the rebellion all along. Ooh. And then it'll be a real bummer when he gets blown up on the Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he escaped. Sturdy Potts wants to know how Yoda knows about the rule of two at the end of The Phantom Menace. Well, Sturdy Potts, I think that it's probably... (laughs) I'm going to put all those bloopers at the end. Molly could barely make it through the name Sturdy Pots. Got the giggles. Um, So I think that I read somewhere that, and this is kind of a hand wavy thing, that just at some point there were rumors that the Sith had survived and that there were like a secret group out there and the Jedi investigated and they couldn't find anything because they weren't expecting the Sith to be all secret. That's not their normal thing. Yeah. Plus, I mean, Yoda's just super old. I just assume he knows about this kind of thing. Well, it's like the rule of two is supposed to be this big secret thing. Like after all the Sith were wiped out and there were only two left and they were like, we're just gonna... That that wasn't a rule before then. Mm-hmm. And Yoda was born after it was created. So he shouldn't technically know, but there were probably rumors about it. And then when the Jedi went and investigated, they couldn't find anything. And they were like, well... I guess the Sith really are gone and they wrote it off. Um, That's kind of the hand wavy answer we have right now. I think if we were to get some High Republic stories set, hey, Babu Frick, (laughs) set after uh, the rule of two began, then that'd be the perfect time to answer that. Maybe we can see those rumors pop up and get a more solid explanation. Yep. JD Studios asks if we would like to see a series following the full destruction of the First Order after the rise of Skywalker. So is this, is does he mean a series about the destruction of the First Order? Yeah, kind of like a, maybe they weren't completely wiped out at the end of the rise of Skywalker and there's more story to tell. Honestly, I would rather not. <laughs> yeah. I... I'm, I'm just, I'm fully like, on board with the fact that you know what yeah the sith fleet and the right in the first order like they were all destroyed then and there that's it like i don't need more yeah it's like the question we had about ylaren like they lost <laughs> now they either have to reform or 
I don't know, like, get out of there. And that's that's just doesn't really sound appealing as a story. It's like we were happy to accept that, you know what? Yeah, the Empire lost after the Battle of Endor. And yeah, it wound up being that there was an extra year of fighting and all. But, like, I'm fine with just accepting that because I am ready to move on to new things. Yeah, I mean, any ideas of post-Rise of Skywalker stories that I want to see slash hear are going to be about Rey and the the future of the Jedi. I would go a step beyond that. Like, I'd rather just, like, let's jump 500 years into the future and just skip ahead and see what's going on now. Just don't care about Rey anymore. I I care about Rey, but, like, I am just kind of done with the Skywalker saga. And we're already getting Kenobi. We're already getting the Cassian series. The Mandalorian takes place in the same era. I'd much rather explore something new instead of stick within this same 60-year part of the timeline. Mm -hmm. It would be cool if we jumped into the future to see kids telling stories about, like, Rey and Kylo. Yeah. And what happened there instead of what we see at the end of Last Jedi, the kids telling stories about the Battle of Crate and Luke. Yeah, I think it would be really cool to jump ahead and, like, hear people telling stories, the legends of Rey and... Uh, and Luke and maybe they don't get everything right but I think that would be more exciting to me than just actually seeing what happened. GJP wants to know how progression could work in a sequel to Fallen Order. So I think this is more a question for like if we were to jump right into Cal's story again and continued that uh, then how would we would we keep all of the powers that we unlocked in the first game would we keep all the lightsaber pieces and the ponchos. <laughs> the pink poncho. Right. Where's my pink poncho? <laughs> so how would we handle that progression? And I was <laughs> telling Molly, like, in the Metroid games, at the start of most of them, you have, like, all of Samus's powers, and then, like, a little bolt of electricity hits her, and she loses everything, and you have to unlock them all again. And that's how Metroid works. And it works there, but... It would be frustrating and weird to like be Cal again and be like, well, I forgot how to force push. So (laughs) (laughs) that is an interesting challenge I hadn't considered. So how do you think that could work? I don't know. I mean, like I haven't played through the whole game yet still. As someone who is such a big fan of the storyline, do you want to continue that storyline or do you want to be given something new? See, like I am on the fence because i love all the characters and i want to see what happens to cal and marin and uh grease and seer and bd1 like i would love to do another game with them but it almost does make more sense in this instance to like go back because you can't if someone were to play fallen order 2 if that were their first fallen order game you can't just throw them in the deep end with all of these force powers yeah like for game mechanics, that doesn't make sense. So maybe you do start fresh with a new Padawan. Or here's an idea: <laughs> maybe you play as Marin. Maybe you play as a Night Sister. That would be cool. Because then, yeah, you have a ton of new stuff to learn. Okay. Or... Like you, you could keep those characters. Cal is still around, but mm-hmm. you're just playing someone new. Or the only other thing I can think of is they go to the world between worlds and go back in time 
or they find a planet with a species not like the Yuzon Vong but similar idea where his powers and the things that he can do aren't so helpful maybe hmm. that's so an interesting thought you have to learn other stuff and with that combined with the night sister magic they can work as a team yeah i don't i don't hate that idea just being like oh well what i have doesn't really work right now yeah um but i i fully trust them because i i've talked about how impressed i was that they even pulled off the force mechanic of like I have to learn force powers when that's not really how it works. But they found a good balance of game mechanics and actual Star Wars lore so that it all makes sense. So I think that they can probably solve this problem as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is an interesting challenge that you bring up because, yeah, how do you balance someone who this might be their first Star Wars game? And it would be a lot to be like, okay, I have force pull force push force lightsaber throw force to, like you have everything that's so overwhelming yeah and we've talked about the idea before that maybe the sequel to this game will be set in the high republic time and it'll be kind of a similar story as cal's hopefully we get a, a non-white male main character to play and yeah it'll be similar but very different because it'll be a different uh, time period different enemies yeah yeah I, I think that starting over with a new character would be an easy way to get past that progression challenge where it's like how did cal forget everything <laughs> yeah he gets amnesia or something that would just be really frustrating <laughs> yes. after playing the first game speaking of the world between worlds the golden ticket asks if there is an excess point to the world between worlds on exegol they hinted pretty strongly at that in the visual dictionary for the rise of skywalker yes and it would make sense to explain a lot of palpatine stuff yeah hmm yep <laughs> like in rebels right that i hadn't thought about that that maybe he somehow used the world between worlds to transfer his half exploded body to exegol or something i don't know he did say that he died mm -hmm. so i don't know we may never find out how he somehow survived, but... He goes, he, he he somehow finds the world between worlds, and right before he falls into a pit of blue fire, he pulls himself out, like, what happened with Ahsoka? So Palpatine pulls himself out? Yeah. Wow. And then, <laughs> and then they fight each other to see who's the best Palpatine. Which Palpatine? <laughs> and then the... the, the Palpatine doppelganger is now the one we see in the Rise of Skywalker. Here's the only thing I don't like about that <laughs> is that I don't want Palpatine to be able to access the world between worlds just because that was like a big thing in Star Wars Rebels was keeping him out of it. Ezra yeah. and Ahsoka keeping him away from that power. So it would kind of bum me out if what they did was for nothing. Well, I think we could still say that like there is an access point there palpatine could just never figure out quite how to use it yeah i will say that yes it's strongly hinted that exegol has an access point it makes complete sense to me like i think that anywhere that's a nexus in the force light or dark side probably has 
some sort of way into the world between worlds. I mean, every planet could have one. I don't know. But we know, like, Lothal has one. Uh, I think they they hinted that, uh, like, maybe Canto Bite had one. I can't remember all of the symbols that we saw over these portals, but anywhere like Moraband or Exegol or Dagobah, anything like that, I have to imagine, has a place of entry somewhere. Yeah, and who knows if we'll ever see a story confirming that, but I like the idea that the Visual Dictionary hints at it, and that's that's all we get. That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you. I like this screen name. Sturdy Pots. <laughs> Sturdy Pots wants... <laughs> <laughs> She's got the giggles. <laughs> Sturdy Pots wants to know... <laughs> Sturdy Pots wants to know how Yoda... Knows <laughs> yeah, I thought you had it. <laughs>